Survives Wingfoot. Now the moment Aaron Bradley has waited. Curry Webb is the five-time Australian Open champion. Golf at its best by one of the best in golf, Peter Thompson. Stand in front of a crowd like this today and win the PGA Championship is pretty special. He's done it at last. Greg Norman. his name on the Stonehaven Cup. Leash been to 11 under. Now we've got a new leader, kids. Here is Adam Scott. A life changer. Coming up next, you have unrestricted access to golf across Australia and the world. Thanks to Golf Australia, we're going inside the ropes. Subscribe now on iTunes or your favourite podcast app or head to golf.org.au. Hello and welcome to Inside the Ropes, episode number 140, our final instalment for the year of 2019. Uh, We'll talk more about what's going to happen uh, around next year a little later on in the program. But for now, it's Mark Hayes, and I'm joined this week by the inimitable (laughs) and very hirsute Justin Falconer. I'll take hirsute. What about inimitable? Is that a good thing? Yeah. You You want to be unique. You don't want to be not inimitable. Yeah, right. You don't want you want someone to just knock you off and be better than you at what you are. That's true. Yeah, right. Take it. That's a. Pro- I'm not. I meant that as a compliment. I wasn't so sure about the pursuit. <laughs> For oh, those man. who don't know, Justin Falconer probably cost the international team. Oh, um, well, I think we can cost yeah, the, in, at the Presidents Cup because he he did, as you'll recall, back in our preview show to the Presidents Cup, say he will through my full support behind them. Say he will lose the locks yeah. if. Uh, if the international team did get up over the Americans, and I think that was the only thing holding holding them back in the end. Well, I think honest. that were well, you bringing it up on the Sunday morning when they had an unassailable <laughs> two point lead. Uh, that's probably what held them back in the end. So, Ernie, if you're listening, I threw my full support behind you two weeks after the tournament, and well, we, we got close. But and you, I'm the hair st- stays, and I'm still staring at this, this. I don't know. It's almost like a Sasquatch in front of me. It's unbelievable. <laughs> Uh, anyway, that be that being said, we are again without Andy Ma, who's uh, been, I think, seconded by the lures of the Big Bash. So thank you, Andy. We'll thank everyone for their work during the podcast. I say the lures of Golf Link after the oh. formal the Royal Commission into his performance on two days ago was it? Should we mention that now? Yeah, let's do, let's do it. It's the hottest story in the world of golf this week, isn't it? So I don't know why we wouldn't do it off the top. <laughs> I forgot all about it to be honest with you. Um, okay. Longest well, day of golf week. It's long, been happening everywhere. Yeah, it's great. And I, um, I had a, um, Twitter exchange with Peter Robertson from Queensland who mm. was telling me he was doing it on Monday when it was 41 degrees, uh, mm. in the Queensland capital and about 85% humidity, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> Perfect. One, one of his playing group actually went down and didn't make it. Oh, um, really? Yeah. Like, or not, well, they're still alive, <laughs> but they had heat stroke. I shouldn't, don't, don't panic if you, <laughs> he is alive. But yeah, brutal, and people are doing yeah. it all over the place. Yeah. Oh, and obviously, you know, the hottest day in Australian history during the week. Mm. So, um, if depending on where you're doing it, chances are you're doing it in brutal temperatures. Mm. Did manage to sneak out to the magnificent Kilwis Golf Club mm. on Tuesday yeah. and competed with uh, John Ralph from their old son. Yep, uh, my good mate from that area, David Walder. Yep, and Ned Kelly's long lost <laughs> relation, Andy Ma, who. I tell you, I put together four of the best rounds I've put together in many a year, mm. and Andy stitched me up, Rocket. Big time. Big time. 37, 38, 39, 34. He, he had seven points better than playing to 36 Stalford points on 
through four rounds. Extraordinary. 151 points for the... Uh, <laughs> for our for our normal leader, that's a lot of points. That's a lot of points. I just ran into him downstairs mm. um, about an hour ago, and I said, well, "What happened? How did?" And we reckon there's something behind the theory. You're not thinking about the shot ahead. You're just walking up to it and hitting it, and off you go. And it's yeah. you're not thinking about it. You're just into it. So, right, and we, be something to it. It's been our goal to shoot thirty points. David, myself, and and Andy have played it together two years in a row. We played it three, Andy and I, but. Those three of us have played it two years in a row, and it was our goal to not shoot under 30 points for a round, which I think is a pretty lofty goal, to be honest. Yep. And the three of us have done it eight in a row. Need to just talk raise, myself the, up raise the bar a little bit, I reckon. Yeah, we won't have to. Oh, but Andy's golf was next level, so any t- next time he tells you he's a chopper, mm. you've got to take it with a grain of salt. It was really impressive. There's been some great uh, seen photos and things like that all over social. I think the whole Golf New South Wales high-performance team, they all paired up in, well, not paired up, in, grouped up in fours, and they all went out <laughs> together the other day. Uh, and did it. And there was a, we got a tweet last week from a pair of guys who did, it. I can't remember names or where they were, but they had knocked it off by, I think it was 1240 in the afternoon. From Flinders Golf Club. They did it in seven hours. Absolutely amazing. Which is extraordinary. And Flinders is not your longest course in Australia. No. But still, you've still got to do it. Yeah. Um, and there were some guys, <laughs> there were some guys where we were playing who were um, just about to embark on their last nine holes and mm. we wrapped ours up. So it, there's some there's some long days among them. Yep. Um, I know some people didn't make it. A lot of people made it. Just if you're having a crack at it, yep. full credit to you. Mm. Some ridiculous amount of money being raised and will continue to be raised. We'll update you on that in the new year when we come back. But yep. it's multiple millions of dollars now yeah. being raised. Awesome. Around, and now not just Victoria, right around the country. So it's, you know, it's it's got legs. Well done to all. Yes, well done to all. Especially to you. Mark. Thank you, Justin. I appreciate that. <laughs> Right, so we moved on to the um, it's the elephant in the room. It's the President's Cup. It, I'm not sure when you started watching tournament golf, mm. but to me, that's right up there with anything that's ever been seen in this country. How, what are it, your thoughts? Yeah, uh, absolutely. My first tournament I worked was the 2015 Masters when Peter Senior won at Huntingdale. Uh, I, I was feeling like that as of Saturday morning and feeling like we haven't seen anything like this I was I was at 2011, but I wasn't working. Obviously, I and I'm also a bit feeling like when are we going to see something that good here again? Because mm. it might be another 10 years until we see a tournament like that. Because it was unbelievable. I mean, there's great tournaments all around the world every year, but I think even if you ask someone impartial of like the best tournaments of this year, a lot of people would probably put up the Presidents Cup from last week. Yeah, I think it's in the it has to be in the mix with the Solheim Cup. Mm. And the two Definitely. best things, and it, and it's no surprise that it's team golf and their funky formats. Yeah. Um, this is far and away the biggest tournament I've seen in Australia. So yeah. I started watching them from a, behind the ropes, yep. probably in the early eighties, yep. uh, intermittently, okay. but more consistently in the last fifteen years. Mm. Um, the reason. I think it's the biggest comfortably mm. is that the actual population of Australia was talking about it, not just the rusted on golf fans. Yep. So, you know, my mum came or had me around for dinner last night and she said, all the little ladies in the, in the bowling club, they're all sitting there talking about it. none of them play golf, but they all watch the president's cup. Yeah. That sort of story. Yep. Um, and, and, you know, so many questions about it from so many people who don't normally give it a second thought. Yeah. And I, you know, I'm, I have to fall on my sword a bit again 
because I'm always the one, you know, giving the PGA Tour a hard time. But mm-hmm. my God, when they do something like that, they really give it the works. And it's such an impressive sight and a beast to behold. It, yeah, it felt like it was, a, it was a major tournament. It was a major championship over here, like as far as what yeah. the tour put into it and the infrastructure, all those sorts of things. And yeah, I mean, we, I hope we get to see another one exactly like it. Probably not in two years, maybe in four years. Who knows? But well, I, I did. This is a actually a jam packed episode of Inside the Ropes. We're not just struggling to the line here. We're going to talk to Jeff Ogilvie in a few minutes, and I also managed to talk to Jay Monahan, the PGA Tour mm. um, commissioner, which is we were really lucky to be able to do. Um, so we'll get some thoughts on when he thinks things can come back. Yep. Problem being for the President's Cup, there's, we're actually only eight years separated from the last one, and that's a rarity. Yeah. And they obviously only can be played overseas every four years. Yep. So you're looking at four, very unlikely. Yeah. Eight, very unlikely. Every two years? Yeah, but the second- Oh, sorry, of course, yeah. Because yeah. every yeah, second yeah, year, yeah, every yeah, yeah, yeah. alternate block would be in the United States. We so. were talking about this in the media center the other day, where we think four years time might be, and someone threw up rightly that it hasn't been to Japan before, and yeah. we saw the Zozo- five months ago, six weeks ago, and the crowds that were there. So Tua's got an office now in Japan as well. So, And throwing extra weight to that theory is that there were people from Zozo, et cetera, down at Royal Melbourne. Mm. South Africa has been a long time between drinks. Yep. And I understand that Thailand is very much in the hunt for it, whether it's 2023 or 2027. Really? They're very keen on it. And they're, you know, obviously a burgeoning golf market. And yep. the players they're producing, particularly on the women's side of the game, but more broadly, uh, you know, it'll, it'll, they, they demand it. And you can't knock that. Do you, need a, do you need a hometown, home country golfer to be in the team? Well, I maintained all along. And I'll stick with it now, although he didn't he wasn't wasn't the captain to pick that how Tongley didn't, you know, cover himself in glory at the President's yeah, Cup. From all reports. Had we had Jazzy J, yeah. Jazz Jenna Tonanond. Jane Watanond. <laughs> in um in place of how Tongley, we might have got over the line. I've I was pushing for him the whole time. Mm. Um so I don't think it's a big stretch to think we need a tie we need a ceremonial tie golfer. Because yeah. it'll be a matter of fact in next time around or the time after, we'll have three. Okay. I just think that's where we're heading. Yeah, right. So. Or we make it mixed and we get the Jatania guns in there and away we go. There you go. There's an idea. (laughs) Now, we have to lay off the mix thing, I think, for a while now, even though I think still it's the best solution long term. Mm. Um, You know, the the international guys, although they fell two points short in the final analysis, Mm. Uh, geez, what a ride. And that's all you can ever ask. You, you mean, yeah. you want to win and I was as flat as a, the proverbial, but, um, that was a grouping four days of golf. Unbelievable. I mean, the halfway through, it was like, you, you couldn't believe that they were ahead and it would, it had increased the interest in the tournament tenfold just by virtue. If we were down 12, four or whatever, after two days, the air would have been taken out of the thing. So quickly, yeah. But the way that they played, and the way that Ernie was conducting himself, and getting the team going, and continually trying to rev the crowd up—I mean, physically, literally on the first tee, waving his arms in the air. Cam Smith was probably second to him in that sense, and then in press conferences every night, talking about how good the crowd were and how they need him again tomorrow, and things mm. like that. So, uh, it, yeah, it was electric, and it seemed like the crowd got louder and louder every day until we reached Sunday, really, where I thought the crowd was quite sort of quiet almost. Yeah, well, that's credit to the Americans because the top of the order, the more you look back on it, they did their job oh, yeah. and silenced the crowd a little bit. The Big crowd time. got up and about when Cam Smith was rolling, rolling, mm. rolling through Justin Thomas in the yep. middle of the back nine. Yep. 
Uh, and you could just see that you could start doing the maths and the crowd went up again. Yep. It, it was pretty amazing atmosphere, to be honest. Mm. Um, geez, I tell you, I walked just for the, this very reason to be able to talk about it. I walked in front of the ropes between Patrick Reed and the crowd a couple of times. Yep. Yeah. So. Wow. <laughs> just wow. <laughs> there weren't, uh, there wasn't anything, uh, extraordinarily humorous, I didn't think, to no. take away from the week. There was a lot of uh, sort of straight up and down sledges and things like that. <laughs> there wasn't anything that uh, had me keeled over uh, on the haunches laughing, but it was pretty funny. <laughs> sort of. Did the... you know that Matt Kuchar apparently didn't pay his caddy? <laughs> <laughs> Who knew? I reckon the average distance between caddy jokes for Matt Kuchar was about 15.8. Oh. And if you followed a group like him, every time – that group gets to a new fairway. Those people haven't said anything yet. That's so right. then they say it and they, they think of the first ones to say. Yeah. But then if you think about the build up of Matt Kuchar walking around the golf course and hearing that 36 times for a day, it's actually quite funny. So. I reckon you heard it 36 times a fairway. It was, <laughs> oh, seriously, 20 meters would have pulled it up on average. It was unbelievable. But, you know, it's what we wanted. Yeah. We wanted the crowd to get engaged. They're obviously reading that sort of stuff. It's, yeah. the, it's the scandal that always rocks the world. That's just the way humans are. So. Yeah. Um, Cooch and Reed, they were the they were the victims. If you, I don't think anyone spoke to Webb Simpson all week. The the babysitter Webb Simpson. Yeah, unbelievable. Yeah, and I mean, Deshambo probably wasn't far behind those guys either. I saw a couple of incidents of him getting extremely fired up uh, at the way the crowd was behaving on the 18th tee on Sunday. He let it. People were sort of just. He was sort of pegged his ball up and he was about to just do a few practice things. And he stopped and did a massive like wolf whistle. And everyone sort of in the crowd looked and it was Bryson that did it to get everyone to be quiet. It was so bizarre. And then everyone sort of bizarre. got over and hey, like settled down. <laughs> pretty funny. But. Uh, anyway, great, a great week by all measures. If you want to hear the, um, the rundown of how it all unfolded, go back and check episode 139 was our wrap from the course. My voice wasn't in such pristine shape then, but... Uh, <laughs> If you do want to get their full wrap, that was where to go and check it out. For now, we'll just say what an awesome tournament. Mm. And we're incredibly privileged that uh, Jeff Ogilvie, the vice captain to Ernie Els, or one of them, uh, took the time this week to sit down with yourself and Martin Blake and just had a... Nice of the Golf Channel to free him up. For, Blakey. For a morning, yeah. It was. It was good of them, yeah. Just a contractual yeah, release. Yeah, yeah, extremely. We're, thank, we're thankful to the Golf Channel for letting Chief out <laughs> for the morning. And because of that, Martin Blake sat down with Jeff Ogilvy and had this great insight into the President's Cup. Jeff Ogilvy, welcome. I guess as the dust settles, it was a pretty good effort by the international team and you as vice-captain. Yeah, it was incredible, really. I mean, for a loss, the aftermath felt like a moral victory because uh, we finally, not through lack of effort of any other captain, but through just, uh, just all the circumstances. I mean, we've got guys like Adam on the team and Ernie who have been around for 10 or 11 President's Cups. Adam's played nine now. Ernie's been in every single one, I think. Um, Louis's been there a fair bit. Hideki's been there a while now. Guys who really, really are motivated to make this work. And we had a captain like Ernie who's clearly a competitive genius in a way and commands great attention, right? When he starts talking, everybody listens. And the stars lined up for us to do really well. And he had a, we had a great system. We kind of drew from a bit more information. Um, stats analytics was talked about a little bit. Um, and we're not going into what that made us do, but what it was, it gave us a structure and a plan that everyone bought into from top to bottom. Normally there's a few whispers by Thursday and Friday about 
oh, the captain, I should be playing with him and he should be playing with me and I don't know about this and that and the other and the draw's all weird. And there was none of that this time. Everyone was fully invested and it was super disappointing to lose in the end because we really felt like we had a good thing going. But the aftermath, I mean, you just kind of realise we're playing against so much talent. I mean, an average world ranking, they had every player was inside the top 20 except Cooch, I think. And we only had one or two players inside the top 20. So there's a difference in talent at the moment between the two teams. And um, we couldn't bridge that gap. We nearly did, but we got close. But it was a great week. Never quite sure whether it's in team sport, whether it's better to lose narrowly and be gallant or to get smashed. And either way, it hurts, doesn't it? You, know, you, you got so close, two points. New York was really depressing because we just got completely annihilated. Yeah. Um, we nearly lost on Saturday night, which was incredible. Um, this time, I mean, we were in front until an hour to go in the tournament, you know. Um, so we did really, really well, I thought. It's tough. I mean, I think if we can retain a big percentage of these 12 guys that we had this time, and along with the caddies and the assistant captains and the, and the kind of the mojo that we had going um, was really positive, and I think we'd be better next time if we can retain a big core of this team. Um, yeah, it was fantastic. Losing close, I think, was... I mean, losing big last time was good because it showed us we had to, like, we have to adjust, you know. And this time, losing closely, kind of outplaying them as a team, if you like. Like, the, if, if you tick every box about how to get the team going well, we did that, you know. And we just ran into more talent, I think, in the end. Um, we made big strides to the international team in the President's Cup last week, so hopefully we can go on. So a close loss was good, I think. I have to ask you about Tiger Woods, the best player who was out there last week. You said to me earlier that you followed him for a full round. Um, he's back in some sort of form, isn't he? And that format and that venue in particular uh, really suits Tiger Woods. So he it was, was pretty awesome. Yeah, it was such a perfect place for him to be captain and playing. Um, he's never made a secret of the fact that the Sandbelt's one of his favourite places and that Royal Melbourne is his favourite a lot. He loves the style of golf. He loves having to think about it. I mean, as good an executor of shots as he's been over time, his the greatest side of his genius is working out golf courses and how to beat people on them. And Royal Melbourne's a great platform for that, and he showed it last week. I mean, he was the class out of the 24. He, um, If his body could have handled it, I'm sure he would have played five, and he probably would have won five. You know, he just seemed to be really excited, and he gets lit up. You can see his uh, imagination go when he gets in a place like Royal Melbourne and it's, it's his chance to show how good he is, and he did. The international team would have been focusing on what you were doing, but did you sense that the whole Patrick Reed scenario in the lead-up, was that? did you feel that that might be a little advantage for you or a distraction for the Americans? It certainly felt like an advantage. Uh, it can't be... These teams, I mean... Professional golfers are individual athletes. I mean, it's like trying to herd cats, trying to get everybody into the same pattern. You know, like everybody goes their own way and is used to doing their own thing whenever they want. Um, so getting that team thing working is difficult. So for them to have something like that, which would split the locker room multiple ways, I would have thought, because everyone has a different kind of feeling for how it should have been handled or what, where the behaviour sits in everybody's kind of barometer of behaviour. Um, it was clearly an advantage for us. They handled it well professionally, the US guys, I thought, um, as f at least in terms with keeping their team together, they seemed to handle it really well. They played him with Webb, who's the most forgiving, amazing guy on their team, who loves everybody. You know, it was the perfect pairing for him. Um, Webb could handle playing with him. 
uh, yeah, it would have been tough for them. And they had the turmoil with his caddy doing his thing on the Friday or the Saturday or whatever it was. I mean, it was an interesting week for them, but they managed to get there in the end. I wanted to ask you about a couple of the younger players because it was a young, you know, the youngest President's Cup team ever. Uh, Abraham Anser from Mexico played in his first President's Cup and he played Tiger on the last day and Tiger beat him. Tiger had the hat off before the last putt went in the hole and there's always something comes out after a President's Cup or a Ryder Cup for that matter about things that have been said. Of course Abraham Anser said about a month before the event that he would like to play Tiger. I don't believe that he said much more than that, but Tiger clearly took it as some sort of slight or chose to take it as a slight. What did you make of that? Because Tiger did say on the day after, or the day that he beat Abraham Answer 3 and 2 on the last day that he asked for it, he got it kind of thing. So it's kind of a, it's an interesting sort of... Uh, it is. It's funny. Tiger's always been... I mean, the, the, the famous the Stephen Ames one came along yeah. and said Tiger's vulnerable now and he beat him 9-8. Um, yeah. He's always, if he gets a little motivation, Tiger, he's basically unbeatable. It seems like he can go into a place that yeah. he has to prove a point. So, But the funny thing is Abe didn't say it in the spirit no. that it was taken. He said it in Spanish yeah. at the end of a conversation. Would you like to play Tiger next week in a few weeks' time? That would be amazing. What a thrill. I'm ready for him if it happens. That, it was that sort of thing. natural thing to say. And everyone would say it if they got asked. Um, but it gets printed the way it gets printed, and that's fine after the translation, and it gets broken down into 140 characters and not into context. Um, but that's fine. We put Abe... We were pretty confident it was going to be Justin Thomas or Tiger first. Um, JT goes first all the time. He, go, he went first all week. He goes first in the Ryder Cup. He went first in the President's Cup the time before. But the wrinkle was maybe Tiger would go first because he's captain and he wants to get off the course early enough and... But Abe was the guy that we thought was best for both of those guys. Right. He was making a lot of putts that week. He was up for it. He made pressure putts. He hit. He was the guy who seemed... Of all of our 12, it just it fit into the draw to have him play Justin or Tiger. And it just happened to be Tiger, you know, so... Um, and who was going to beat Tiger on that last day? Anyway? No one was, I don't think. I mean, obviously, people... He's very... He's beatable. He's just a golfer. He's hit playing by the same rules and hitting the same clubs and balls as us, but um, it would have been a very tough... And again, he's playing... It's, it's not just... He's not playing for Tiger's record anymore. It's his legacy with the captaincy and the whole thing. And as we, as we said, when he gets motivated, he's pretty amazing. Um, so I don't know if anyone was going to beat Tiger that day, especially at Royal Melbourne. But I said uh, Abe was the one. We liked the matchup. We liked the way it looked. So we've talked about Abraham Anser. There were two other young guys in particular who jumped out off the page last week. One was um, Sung Jae Im from Korea. Uh, now, there's, there's a real talent. I'd like you to talk a little bit about him. And the other one, of course, is more familiar to us in Cameron Smith. 26 years of age only out of Queensland. I mean, uh, there's some real talent there. And, some, some, you know, hopefully those two guys can take something out of the week to drive them forward, do you think? I certainly, I think they will. I mean, Sungjae, all 24 players and captains, so let's say 30 players who really know what they're looking at, were scratching their head about how good Sungjae M is. Um, he just doesn't miss a shot. He's, he's, he's the best ball striker in our team, one of the best putters in the best short games. You know, um, The only thing he's got to complete his kind of skill set, if you like, is knowledge of playing a course like Royal Melbourne, which again is an acquired skill over a long period of time of 
doing it. But he was incredible. He could easily be the first Asian number one in the world, easily. Um, I said, Aki, be number one? I don't think he has. Um, certainly first Korean number one in the world. He could, it would be surprising if he doesn't contend in a bunch of majors. I mean, he, is, he has every piece of the puzzle. And he'll just, as I said, he says he continues to acquire skills and knowledge about playing golf courses and variety and how to kind of fit yourself into a golf course. He's just, he's going to be one of the best players in the world if he can continue the form that he's in now. Um, so he was great. He was a breath of fresh air and we, we loved having him on our team. And he was just happy all the time. It's like he's embarrassed about how good he is. You know, it's an interesting kind of headspace. Yeah. Cam, Cam is one of those guys, Cam is quality. Obviously, he's been playing great the last few years. He's one of those guys who seems to get a little bit better every year. Like, he's better this year than he was last year. He was better last year than he was the year before. Like, he's one of those incremental improvers, and that's always a good sign rather than a guy who goes up and down. And he's one of those guys, there's, there's, there's guys in those team things like Ryder Cups and President's Cups who get better when they get in it, and there's some guys that get worse. It's not a shot against anybody or praise on it, but it's just the way it is. Some people thrive in team environments and some people don't. Um, if you think of the European Ryder Cup team, guys like Poulter, um, Sergio, Westwood, these guys, their records in the Ryder Cup are outrageous, probably slightly above their individual records. And then there's other guys whose individual records are amazing and their records in Ryder Cups and President's Cups are poor. Cam's going to be one of those guys whose record... He's going to play better than he's playing when he gets to one of those things. Why is that? Is it, is it the match play element or is it the team environment? I think it's the competitiveness inside him and the team thing. It really lights him up. Um, it was a perfect draw. I mean, a Abe got Tiger, Cam got JT, which was perfect. Um, JT was playing really well, but I, th I feel like he was beatable last week. Um, he had a rough Saturday afternoon, JT. Um, he was hitting a lot of good shots, Justin, but he wasn't really threatening. You know what I mean? He was hitting a lot of good shots. But um, anyway, Cam was great. It finished really appropriately. He, at that time, when Cam was finishing that match, the President's Cup was still on, you know. So he thought his point was potentially one of the ones that could win. And, he can't, and Justin hits it close on 17, and he hits it in closer and makes the putts, like, great. incredible stuff. But you get the feeling before the tournament, you knew he was going to be like that. Now, I don't know what that is. It's the same in all sports. You can just tell that guy has that. It's like that Leighton Hewitt kind of thing, you know, that, 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 that ability to dig deep and dig deep for his team. And it's not, as I said, it's not a shot against guys who don't do that. That's, Cam's, they're the outliers, you know, the Poulters and the Cam Smiths and the guys like that that lift in that situation. But he was very evidently always going to be that guy. He's just got that personality. So the other big winner of the week was Royal Melbourne, the composite course, worldwide plaudits uh, from all sorts of sources because it just looked sensational, it played fantastic and it was just another reminder as if we really needed uh, a reminder about how good Royal Melbourne is. But even for someone like you, I think your house is backing onto the course, you grew up in that area. Uh, the Sandbelt and Royal Melbourne, I mean, it's, it's just another reminder of how good it is. I mean, it is, and it shows every time that the, the distance isn't the defining factor about what makes a golf course difficult or what, about what it makes it interesting. Um, Royal Melbourne has no length anymore in modern-day standards, but you get 10-knot you get wins and um, good pins and firm, fast greens. I mean, these, they were all scratching their heads. 
mean, not the Tigers and the Adam Scotts and the Leishmans and that, but most of the guys hadn't been present when, well, I rarely presented a test like that. And it tests them, it, it, uh, it tests all of their skills because all of a sudden they've got to be able to shape the ball a little bit, they've got to be able to take a bit off an iron, they've got to be, their imagination around the greens has to be like really active, if you like. And a lot of them were caught short early in the week, especially about having to land stuff short and maybe go away from pins. And Ernie gave a great speech earlier in the week. It says, you've got to find the areas of Royal Melbourne where it's going to help you. Let Royal Melbourne help you. If you try to fight Royal Melbourne, it's going to beat you every time. But if you let it help you, it will really help you. And Augusta is very similar. If you are, they both have similarities in that if you can't force it. You've just got to let it give you what it gives you. And if you start doing that, it starts really looking after you, Royal Melbourne. Um, and that's the genius of the course, because you have to find that yourself, you know. I think you described it as, as being an easy course to play, provided you stay in position. And it's that, that positional thing that seems to be so important. If you get out of position, whether it's on the fairway, say it's on the fairway, then you're out of position on the green, you're then looking at a three-putt, if not a four-putt. That's the interesting thing. I mean, the golf we generally play on tour golf, at least now, and a lot of golf courses, is you get on the tee and you just try to hit the best shot you can and make sure it's on the fairway. And then you make a decision about where your second shot goes, and then you look at your putt. Whereas Royal Melbourne, you really have to decide on the tee, all right, I have to be under the hole on the green. Where do I want my tee shot best positioned to make it easy to get it under the hole for my second shot? So you're always two or three shots ahead. And if you don't play it that way, you, you're not going to have much fun. And we don't, everyone in the professional golf has the capabilities to do that, but it's not a muscle we have to flex very much up anymore, you know. So um, to see the best golf, I mean, 24 of the best 40 golfers in the world or whatever we were saw last week, to see them challenged like that and to actually have to dig deep into their like database of <laughs> how to play golf properly, um, nowhere else we play does that. And I think that creates compelling viewing and compelling golf, you know, and the cream rises to the top as Tiger showed. I mean, he just, he was so far and away the best player there last week when he was playing because he had that whole skill set. And we would all be better golfers in the world if we played Royal Melbourne more often. Jeff Ogilvie, thank you. No worries. How good's that? We heard from him a couple of times last week, but if there's one person you could sit down and listen to talk any day of the week for an hour at a time, I reckon it's Jeff Ogilvie in Australian golf. He's unbelievable. And to have then been that close to the internationals team, obviously, as an assistant to Ernie Els. Uh, yeah, fascinating. And there's actually, we went on a bit more with Jeff and we talked a lot about the Royal Melbourne as well and other courses on the Sandbelt and him growing up here and uh, places he played growing up and how he used to sneak on, used to be able to let, let on Royal Melbourne the East Course at 4.30 in the afternoon when he was a kid. And yeah, he, he kept going. It was fascinating. Yeah, I could listen to Jeff for hours. Hopefully, if he's around a bit next year, we'll... we'll rig him up to come in here and mm. at least do a video show with us because I think, you know, the whole world sits and listens to Jeff Ogilvy. So we're really grateful to Jeff, Martin Blake, your good self, obviously, and, of course, the Golf Channel for making that all possible. <laughs> uh, we're going to take a quick break on Inside the Ropes. We'll be right back with a very special guest, Jay Monaghan, the Tour Commissioner of the PGA Tour. Hi, I'm Minji Lee, and I'm proud to be an ambassador for MyGolf, Australian Golf's national junior program. One of my favourite things about coming back to Australia is seeing all the kids getting into golf. 
My Golf is every Aussie kid's first step on their golfing pathway. It's all about fun and friendship, learning golf and life skills in a safe and healthy environment. So, if your child is between 5 and 12 years old, be sure to find a program near you at mygolf.org.au. Welcome back to Inside the Ropes. And as I said before the break, uh, we had very special opportunity in the past week to catch up with Jay Monaghan. Not very often you get to hear from the, the big brass of the PGA Tour. Took someone of extraordinary uh, investigative journalism skills like yourself, Hazy, to track him down at the President's Cup. So kudos to you. <laughs> <laughs> that is complete bollocks from you. But nevertheless, I was um, thrilled that yep. the uh, the head honcho, and I, in some ways, um, while he's definitely not a like a I need to be in front of the camera or microphone mm. style operator, he is the man who pulls the reins or can pull the reins mm. of world golf. So I, you know. We talk RNA, we talk uh, USGA, and but I think I'm gonna, you know, I'll, you'll hear in a second when we when you hear it back. Um, you know, I think he's the man. Yeah, really, he's yeah. he can sway the things. So in world golf, not just in US golf, no, not ab- just absolutely. Yeah, we saw we brings the President's Cup to Melbourne, and yeah. Australia goes nuts. Yeah, so obviously it's not all he's doing, but yep. he's ultimately got the final say. So yeah. anyway, no further ado, let's talk to Jay Monahan, the Commissioner of the PGA Tour. Well, I'm absolutely thrilled to be joined by uh, the Commissioner of the PGA Tour, Jay Monaghan. Welcome to Australia. Thank you. Great to be with you. You said uh, a year or two ago when you took the job that this was on your bucket list to come to Melbourne and experience the sandbelt. Is it what you thought it would be? Uh, I would say it's been what I thought it would be and more. Um, and uh, we're sitting here midday on Sunday, final round of the President's Cup. All the singles are out. And, you know, we started the day with a match that was 10 to 8. And... Uh, a lot of intensity coming into the day, and that's preceded by three great competitive days where the fans of Australia have just come out in great numbers, lined the fairways. Um, there's been great energy on site, great roars. Um, and for me, this is my first trip. Mm. So as you noted, and you know, you can read about, you can read about a market, you can read about and, and hear about its passion for golf, but to see it firsthand is, is pretty special. Have you had a chance to bring the sticks? Have you had a play somewhere on the sandbar? I played, yes, I did. I played one round of golf at Kingston Heath. I was not gonna, I was not gonna leave here without playing at least one round of golf. But uh, how'd you go? Uh, I was, I, I was not so good. Um, and it's, I can't. It was only day three, but I can't blame the jet lag. I think it was. I think I was just in awe of the golf course itself. Did and, you uh, beat you, or did the course beat you? Um, I think it was a little bit of both. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's fair enough. Um, yeah, we're looking forward to holding more events like that, you know, around the sandbelt again. The future Australian Open's back there next year, so yeah. hopefully it's another treat for the fans. Because, as you mentioned, it's been enormous this week. Is it? Um, you know, there's been a bit of tension, but a bit of drama. It's mm-hmm. all good for golf, though, mm-hmm. isn't it? Yeah, it, it sure is. And I think you know the nature of these team events is that you you, you do get that tension, mm-hmm. right? We don't we do this really, but once maybe twice a year, and so there's and these cups. And the President's Cup itself, there's a lot at stake. And there's 24 guys that want to have it, only 12 get it. And so you see that. And they also have 11 players that are their peers that for the first time are right alongside them. And they don't want to disappoint their peers. So it just brings out, you know, inside the ropes a different set of emotion and probably a different expectation player to player amongst for themselves. 
But uh, but then you get you know here we are at Royal Melbourne and you've got a fan base probably a high percentage of the people here that want to see the international succeed. Mm. So it is a great atmosphere. Yeah. It, it really is, and it's. Uh, it's 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 been wonderful to see it play itself out. Which I guess is the natural link for me to ask you the most obvious question I can ask you about yeah. the PGA Tour returning to Australia. I, mean, I won't even put a specific yeah. on it because I know you probably answered this question thirty times this week. Well, I think from a tour standpoint, um, certainly we look to bring the Presidents Cup back here. We've been to Royal Melbourne three times. The only venue we've been to three times. Uh, do I see a fourth in the future? Yes. When that is to be determined. Uh, in terms of a PGA Tour event, we have 49 events on our schedule this year. We're fully sponsored, um, but I think you know we're a global tour, and we are going to continue to take our product around the world. And to have so many successful, prominent Australian PGA Tour members, you know, we're reminded uh, of by by them frequently, uh, you know, that, that we should be. Uh, playing a regular PGA Tour event here. It's something that we've certainly talked about in the past. And I think the only way I would leave it with is that, you know, when you, when you, when you depart Australia at the end of the President's Cup, you're only further inspired to, to make that happen in the future. So um, I can't answer that question directly because there actually no, are not. plans. But, you know, are we open to that? Absolutely. I guess I ask the question more so from the fact that um, we, we feel down here that we're often left out of thoughts until it comes to a President's Cup once every decade or whenever it is. Mm. Um, that the only people who can really make that happen are either yourself or the European Tour and yep. we sort of feel like we're the last cab on the rank, if that makes sense. Is that unfair? Yeah, I... I, 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 think, I think it probably is unfair. I don't... I, I think it's, um, you know, creating events particularly for us creating events in international markets is fairly complicated mm-hmm. it's not just it's not a matter of whether or not we want to do it you know you've got to have the right golf course the right sponsor the the right level of government support it's got to fit in the right way in the schedule um, it's got to have it's got to have you know an infrastructure that we think we can help operate it and it's got to be have a clear vision for the impact it can have I think we can figure all those things out but right now when you don't have you know if you add all those things up without an opportunity in the schedule, that's why. It's not because mm. we don't want to be here. It's we, the tour's now 51 years in operation, and when you're fully sponsored, you've got a lot of long-term markets yeah. you've been in for a long time with partners that you're very loyal to. And so we are, the way I like to think of this is that we have a really strong re- relationship with the game in Australia. Um, we have, a, uh, you know, a strong relationship with, uh, you know, I, we got a strong relationship with the game in Australia, and and we're evolving. And so I could see in the future the natural evolution is, you know, that might happen. Mm. Um, it's hard, to, as you say, that you don't want to go to a Sanderson Farms or a, a Safeway Open or something and just punt them from the calendar just to fit something else in overseas. Yeah, and I think, you know, if you look at now, we're going to have an event in Korea, an event in Japan, or an event in China. Um, you know, the, the you know, if you if you were to look at how do you add an event, if you have four events in a row, players typically don't play four weeks in a row. Mm-hmm. Certainly, I think it makes it even more complicated if you're going to be presenting that internationally. Yeah. And so it's right now. That's our that's the swing that we have. Yeah. So 
will that change in the future? Will opportunities present themselves? They probably will, and that's when you. That's when you. That's that's when that possibility might become a reality. Can the PGA of Australia and Golf Australia do something to promote our cause, our own cause? No, I think you're doing. Uh, I'm not know, saying that to butter to butter ourselves yeah. up. I want to know so that we can actually do it. You know. No, I th- I think. Listen, this is the greatest game on the planet, and. <laughs> And this is one of the, the very finest golf marketplaces on the planet. So, you know, the more we see young people, the overall health of the game, uh, the, you know, the, 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 just that energy that's underlying it, you know, the more we can see that momentum and the more that the game is supported, the more likely it is ultimately that that can have a contribute, that can be a contributing factor to us being here. And, you know, but if I were to ask, if you were, you're asking me specifically, I, I would. Um, it's it's hard for me to offer more than what you're already doing. Yeah. It's a really interesting quote. Keep supporting our PGA Tour Australian players, all yeah. those fans out there. That's what we love. Yeah. Um, there was a really funny moment here this week when Cameron Smith was sitting out the first round, and he was uh, asked about it, and he said that um, he was he was stunned how long golf took as a fan, mm-hmm. and that's one of the biggest problems that we continually hear. And people who listen to our podcast will know that we're pretty big on that. I see that um, almost as a most of me personally a PGA Tour responsibility because mm-hmm. you guys are the shop window of the game around the world. Mm-hmm. Um, that you guys, perhaps even over and above the RNA and USGA, have the chance to do something about that. Do you agree? Well, I think we've been doing something about it. You go back; our pace of play policy was. Um, created in 1994, and we've made nine substantial changes to it since that point in time. I think the world's moving faster every single day, and so there's an expectation of of every sport, of, of every business, of every human being, that if you could do things a little bit faster, then that's a good thing. So the question for us is, what can we do to affect that? And we have a group of athletes that you look at our governance and the involvement of our athletes, that's something we're talking to our players about now. And you'll see us continue to lead on that front. Do they understand that, how important that is for the average person on the street who's contemplating golf as a game for life? I, yeah, I, I think they do. I, they, they, our players are, are very aware of their responsibility to the game. And, I mean, you talk about pace of play, the first round of foursomes, the first match out, ended on the 16th hole, proper foursomes in three hours. If you're a fan here, to Cam's point, um, you know, just because you bought a ticket doesn't mean you need to be here for all 18 holes. We'd love to have you here all 18 holes, but the beauty of our sport is that there are miles and miles of front row seats, and you can walk around with your players, you can get, we can walk around with your friends, get up and close, see play like you really don't get to see in any other sport and you get to you get to pick and choose when it starts and when it ends Mm. as it relates to the to the game itself um you know i i think it's it's a matter of continuing to to make improvements and continuing to see identify the areas where we can we can improve on a pace of play standpoint but i'm actually quite you're gonna you're gonna have outliers but i'm quite pleased with where we are right now Mm. Uh, I guess I haven't got too much time with yours. I know you're a busy man. I did hear a little rumour about the prospect of a a Corn Ferry Tour event coming back. We used to have Nationwide back Mm. in the day before it was web. Um, Is there any substance to that rumour? And and is that the the way back in for Australian golf to get even more access to the PGA Tour? I think we would would certainly love to 
to have a swing in the Corn Ferry Tour, you know, in and through the sand belt. I think that would be a a wonderful way way for players who are who are on that tour who are trying to prepare themselves for the PGA Tour um, for them to experience international golf, uh, for them to experience world class golf courses, and then for them to to experience kind of an international fan base. So adding that element to what we already have on Corn Ferry would be appealing to us, given the relations that we have here, um, you know, with the Victorian government, with with Visit Victoria. Um, that's clearly something where, you know, we'd like to have further discussion on and see if we could make happen. Is it a short term or a medium term sort of? I think it's more medium term. Yeah. Um, but it's. Uh, I think it would be, you know, if you, if you think about. We're going to get back here with the President's Cup at some point in the future. If the, you know, if, if these, if players now have the opportunity to come here early in their careers and be exposed to Australian professional golf, you know, your question about a, you know, a permanent U.S. PGA tournament, you can start to see how over a long period of time, that's a pretty good puzzle we're putting together. Yeah, it sure is. Joe, we really appreciate your time. I appreciate I know you're your busy, time. Man. Thanks to all your fans and everybody that plays this game and supports this game. Yeah, thank you, because the, the President's Cup's epic, and I think you're, you're creating one of the great weeks in our history, so thank you. Well, we're all creating it together. We don't do this without the fans, and the fans uh, have come out here, as I said, in droves, and, and uh, that's what our players are going to remember beyond the experience of playing with their teams. Thanks. Jay Monaghan on Inside the Ropes. That was the PGA Tour Commissioner, Jay Monaghan, speaking with you, Hazy, and... Obviously interesting, a lot of things he had to say about the PGA Tour, but he touched on the Corn Ferry Tour there as well, which mm. there's sort of a changing face, I think, in the world at the moment. The Symmetra Tour announcement recently of sort of maybe teaming up with the LET in some sort of fashion, but the secondary tours seem to be... Well, we we had the then Nationwide Tour, as we touched on. We had the then Nationwide Tour in Australia and New Zealand for, for uh, several years, back um, in the late noughties, I want to say. How many events, out of curiosity, like roughly a year, one a year? Did we have or Down will here, we have? Yeah. Did we have? We we had two briefly, I think, from memory. There was one at Mooner and one was the, the old South Australian Open. It became right. um, something sponsored by a wine thing and then something sponsored by Ford. Right. Um, yeah. And ultimately, it just became the Mooner Classic and then across to New Zealand for the, I think it was the Clearwater Classic from memory. Okay. Just flying completely off the top of my head here. I shouldn't have put you on the spot there. No, no, no. It's totally fine. But it, it was, I think it was three at the maximum, mostly two when yep. it came down. And yep. that was just too logistically hard. But I have a firm understanding now that that's far more advanced, which I was unaware of until recently. Mm. So I think that we're going to hear more in the near future about Corn Ferry rather than the big PGA Tour yep. being involved with Australian golf. And I think, you know, there's talk of New Zealand being part of that again. Mm. So, and and realistically, you probably need a couple of weeks to um, justify the expense of bringing the whole shooting match down to the South Pacific. Well, that's the thing. I mean, for particularly players on the Corn Ferry Tour, money is often quite an issue because it can get pretty expensive touring around just America. So how do they make it financially viable for those guys to come all the way over here? That's the only stumbling block as far as I understand it. I might be completely wrong here, but that's what I understand. And then it's, the talks are fairly well advanced and the stumbling block potentially is the stipends that they get to be able to come down to Australia Mm. or to the South Pacific more broadly. So anyway, watch this space. Really grateful again Mm. for Jay to give us some time. Um, Yeah. Very rarely heard of, uh, especially outside the country. So uh, the United States. So, 
thrilled that he'd be part of it with us. Oh, well, when he saw your name flashing up on his phone, I'm sure he cleared the schedule and sort of just... Oh, my goodness. <laughs> this is outrageous from you. That's two or three. One more strike, mate, and it's going to be <laughs> Royal Rumble in this That studio. was halfway through, what, Saturday morning, Press Cup as well? He's done well to lock the, the big man down. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, Jay. No thanks to you, Justin. Uh, so it's been, um, while we stick on the outside the ropes aspect of golf, um, this week, of course, uh, the PGA Championship at Royal Pines. Mm-hmm. And two big things to arise from this outside the tournament. One is the magnificent result. And finally, a bit of just reward for Hannah Green's yep. magnificent 2019. Yep. Huge congratulations to Hannah Green, the Greg Norman medalist. Yep. Um, you can't say any more than you bloody ripper. I don't think anyone was overly surprised by that no, result, were they? No. But how good, yeah, how good was awesome. it to see her frock, frocked up in the green little green number and um, just <laughs> living large in front of all the... Uh, Kari, Kari putting the medal around her yeah, neck as well. Yeah, how good. I think uh, it's two years in a row now. The females won it. Minji yep. won it last year, of course. And I think the other two winners have been Jason Day and Mark Leishman. So I think Leish won twice. Or did Day win twice in a row? I can't remember that. Off the top of my head, I might look, be Day. I you look it up. up. But I, 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 I was chuffed that she not only got Kari Webb to, you know drape it over her shoulders, but also the fact that she got to do it in front of almost the whole shooting match of Australian golf. Um, yep. There weren't many people who were um, not there in terms of the players, so that was fantastic. Yep. Uh, and while you're doing your research on that thing, because we always come extremely well prepared. For two in a row, you won the first two, Jason Day. Is that right? Yeah. So who have the winners been so far? Jason Day in 15 and 16, Mark Leishman in 17, and Minji last year. Hannah Green this year. Hannah Green. I was thinking, I was actually thinking about the Greg Norman as I walked to work yesterday. If you could retrospectively uh, award them, who would get them? Obviously, Adam would get 2013. Oh, back in previous years. I was just thinking if you could start from now and go backwards for the last 10 years, who would? Because I was thinking that's sort of our who's who at the moment outside of Adam Scott, but mm. he would have deserved one for 2013. Yeah. And he probably wins it again in 2014 for what he did back home at yeah. the end of that summer. I don't know. Yeah, let's not go down that Can rabbit hole. Do that hole. over your Christmas break for yeah, me and no. come back with the on my no. desk one Monday morning. No, that's not going to be happening. The other thing that was uh, important that happened in the Gold Coast this week, and we're obviously recording this before the tournament, so we wish everyone good luck to do with the PGA Championships at Royal Pines. But uh, the boards of the PGA and LPGA have announced ALPG. Uh, what did I say? LPGA. I beg your pardon. The ALPG. Very sorry. The Australian Ladies Professional Golf and the PGA of Australia have announced um, a collaboration mm-hmm. or an extension of the loose alignment they already had. Yep. Um, to be honest with you, I'm not 100% sure of the ramifications of the wording of the release. Mm-hmm. It's very well written, but it doesn't give you a lot of details about the way forward. That being said, I'm, I'm trying to not ask you questions so I get in trouble and not you here. Mm-hmm. That being said, it's fantastic. Yeah, we're we're seeing some progress um, in in towards rationalisation of Australian golf. Yeah, I, when I read this yesterday, I sort of took a minute to think about. Well, I was like, yeah, well, that kind of makes sense. You probably think they should be one body because yep. at the end of the day, what's so I'm not sure, I'm not suggesting that's what's at the end of the road for this, but uh, yeah, you'd think that sharing resources, things like that. I mean, men's pros, women's pros, it's all the same, so. Absolutely. So this the joint statement by Roger Davis, the PGA chairman, and Julia Boland, uh, the president of the ALPG, quote, we will work together to progress this alignment and deep collaboration to deliver leadership for the sport, the industry, and for the professionals that inspire golfers, represent on the world stage, work in, and live for the game. We have created tools and agreed term sheets to ensure full engagement across our operations 
and commercial activities to guarantee speed, agility, and a united approach. As I said, how it washes out, I don't know. I'm not a mind reader. I can't read between those lines, but full credit to them for having a crack, yep. and that is definitely the way forward, so mm-hmm. well played. Yep. Agreed. Fair enough? Yeah, absolutely. Didn't get myself in any more trouble? Don't, not for me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so there's plenty to talk about still. Um, we got an action packed inside the ropes today, but I wanted to make mention before we take our next break of someone we had uh, has been a regular visitor on Inside the Ropes through the first couple of years, and um, let's hope he goes on to be a great and win one of these Greg Norman medals one day. Mm-hmm. Ryan Ruffles yep. has taken the big step up to the Corn Ferry Tour. Um, I'm just giving him a little... Well played, Clark. One, one of your boys, I reckon. Oh, uh, he is. I'm I'm unashamedly a fan of, of Ruff, yep. and um, he has had a, an extraordinary year. He lost his status on the Latino America Tour last year. He was in a bad place uh, mentally. Fought back just so he could get playing rights to start the tour up for the year, and then proceeded to play one of the more consistent seasons you'll ever see on any tour ever. He didn't win. But he was always knocking on the door. It's a tough tour. The schedule's brutal. And ducked up to Canada and played equally well up there as well. Correct. I think a few more finishes here or there, and he would have maybe secured web status by that route. So, Had he not committed so wholeheartedly to the Latino tour, which mm. was the main learning that he took from his previous couple of years, that he, he flitted in and out of different right. tours. You got to knuckle down and pick one. And... Yeah, so he knuckled down, didn't miss on the Latino tour, but that cost him his chance on the Canadian tour yeah. in hindsight. But that's fine. Yeah. He finished seventh uh, on the order of merit, which is a great result. It was barely out. Of, in fact, I don't think he was out of the top ten all year. Um, only a couple thousand dollars from automatic uh, upgrade from the top five, mm. but he went to um, Q School, Corn Ferry Q School, and despite a couple of hiccups, finished very handily. And despite his bag man, uh, Luke Mack, Australia's Luke Mackey, sort of. <laughs> so. Oh. He- oh. <laughs> I didn't know you were going to give a drive-by yeah, to Mackie. no, I just saw his name on the caption of the photo on the website, and I thought, <laughs> I can't, can't let him get away with that. So Ruff finished tied 21st there, and that was enough to um, get him starts in the first eight tournaments next year, and he's more than happy with, with what he needs to do from there, that he was going to be able to play a full season on the Corn Ferry next year. Um, so congratulations to him. I guess the other news... Uh, from the Corn Ferry Tour, some some really good and some just brutal. Uh, Brett Druitt got his playing status yep. back. He was on the PGA Tour a couple of years ago, so he's doing well, the Sydney sider. But another New South Welshman who was um, just cruelly, cruelly, cruelly dealt with here, mm. uh, a favourite of ours, Harrison Endicott. Yep. Um, fought his way. He had a, I think he had a double bogey early in his final round. Fought his way back with a handful of birdies, uh, got inside the number. And basically, on and I mean this literally, maybe one of the last handful of putts for the entire Q school on a different course. Entire season. Yeah, on a different course to where they were all standing watching. Um, a bloke, called, and I've forgotten his name, Zach Zabank, I think, if I remember, something like that. Sure. From the United States, uh, been the birdie putt on the other course mm. uh, and it put about a dozen players from... Um, having corn ferry status out into the no man's land. To T41. T41, where the top 40 got starts for mm. next year. So unfortunately for Harrison Endicott, uh, brutal finish. I, I haven't checked the field. I think he's actually up at the Gold Coast right now. So he's, oh, okay. he's flown immediately back from Florida to the Gold Coast to play the Australian PGA Championship. We, our, our thoughts are with you there, mate, and we're sure that you're going to go places. Obviously, you've overcome an injury during the year. So 
congrats and commiserations all in the one. Um, but yeah, a big, big week for, or big year for the Ruffles clan, to be honest. So, yeah, massive. Um, well an done. Ex- setting up an even more exciting next year. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Gabby will be playing in a couple of majors, uh, thanks to her winning the US Amateur. And Ryan's obviously got those eight starts now to sort of build on what yeah. he's achieved in the last few months. Minimum eight. I'm confident that he'll play the whole, yeah, whole schedule. Yeah. He is too, so... Uh, okay, we're going to take a quick break. We've still got an absolute truckload to get through on Inside the Ropes when we come back, including announcement of another Australian team and our, well, our, our best and worst of 2019. <laughs> the Golf Australia website is now the place to go to look up your handicap and so much more. Whether you're out and about on your phone or in the office trying to avoid work, just go to golf.org.au and punch your golf link number into the box at the top of the homepage. Who knows, maybe that last round was just good enough to put you in single figures. While you're on the site, check out the daily golf results at your club, view our course index for up-to-date ratings, read the latest golf news from home and abroad, listen to Australian golf podcasts and interviews, and watch video tournament highlights or tips to improve your game. It's everything a golf tragic could want. Visit golf.org.au today, the home of Australian golf. Welcome back to Inside the Ropes, episode 140. Our last segment for this show and also for the year before we take a break. Um, some will say it wasn't earned. Justin, well, look at Justin's face. I reckon it's fairly hardly earned. Uh, so we're going we're gonna to stick with that and we're going to take a break when we finish this. Uh, you have got some uh, news for our uh, loyal listeners there or you've got a competition they can enter to clean up for Christmas. I do, Hazy. Uh, 11 days to go for this one. It closes on December 30. It's... Uh, this Christmas at Golf Australia's, we're giving you the chance to win one of three ultimate Christmas golf gifts, Hazy, which are now I'm going to lay them out for you. I want you Please. to pick at the end which one you'd choose. The Callaway Epic Flash Driver and Odyssey Stroke Lab Putter. So that's that's two golf clubs, Hazy. Thanks for that. The ultimate big swing golf experience for you and 10 friends. I know you're a big simulator sort of. I love the simulator. You do. Or $1,200 worth of Under Armour golf Oof, apparel. That's a lot of clothes, shoes and hats and... A fashionista like yourself would surely have a hard time going past option three. I think at Christmas I'm going to go to the simulator. Okay. Big day I, out? Yeah, just night out, yeah. epic sort of fun those things are yeah, when you've got a group mind. of mates. If you want to enter, not you, Hazy, you oh. can't enter, but anyone at home listening, if you want to enter, go to www.golfaustraliafortheWin.com.au. And if you don't get up in the sort of main draw, More. you could be an instant winner of a sleeve of Callaway Chrome Soft Golf Balls. Is that right? Yep. December 30th closes, so 11 days and counting. Nice. Love that. Um, I'm going to bring you an announcement of uh, a new Australian team that's going in a tournament that's dear to your heart, the yep. WAP. WAP. The Women's Amateur Asia Pacific. The squad for Australia has been announced. Thailand this year. Yeah, to be played, um, where is it, on the waterside course at the Siam Country Club. I haven't been to the Siam Country Club. I've heard good things. Have you really? <laughs> yeah. What, what have you heard about the Siam Country Club? Uh, just by the water there. Um, one of the courses is, and it's magnificent hazy. <laughs> what gave it away? Was it the waterside course? Uh, yep. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's spectacular. What's the proximity to Bangkok? It's pretty close. Uh, just a short train ride. Do they have tra- trains in? They must. <laughs> you are outrageous. It is, it, is on, it is just east of Bangkok. I do know that. Yeah, right. Yeah. Anyway, I don't think this six... <laughs> and that was geography hour. <laughs> that's geography hour here on Inside the Ropes. Uh, the, the six women um, 
have been selected or three automatically via the World Amateur Golf Rankings mm-hmm. and three via selections from the Golf Australia team. Uh, the six who will represent Australia. And this is the, the biggest women's amateur tournament clearly um, outside the United States, yep. I think, now. Yep. Uh, so huge congratulations and our best wishes for Grace to Grace Kim, Dowie Choi, Steph Kiriaku, all of New South Wales, mm-hmm. uh, Cassie Porter, Stacey White, and Kirsty Hodgkins. All of Queensland. So it, fantastic that they have played, some of those girls have, you know, played their backside off in the last year to get up into that and yep. really going places. I'm devastated that it recurs on the same week as the um, ISPS Hand of Women's Australian Open. Mm. I think it's a tough break, and I'm not sure who's responsible for that, and I better shut up because I'll probably get my butt kicked. But mm. it's really disappointing that some of those girls wouldn't, who would be more than likely to be able to play in both won't get that chance. Yeah, I know Dowie played last year in Adelaide in the Women's Australian Open, yeah. so maybe she would have been up for a Another amateur spot, but... And she said to us a couple of weeks ago on the podcast that she was pretty keen to play the yeah. the, the uh, national championship. But anyway... They love the WAP, and uh, as we, we just do. mentioned with uh, Gabby, obviously sneaking her way into a couple of majors next year, the winner of this uh, gets to do the same. So I think a tire titical won last year yep. in Thailand. And... and you can't knock it back. I mean, the winner receives the invitation to the Women's British Open at Royal Troon. Um, oh. they, they get to play the Evian Championship your course on the border of France and Switzerland. Yep. Um, and they also, I think, go get to play the Augusta National. Ah, of course. Women's. Yep, absolutely. As well, I think, from, from memory. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. They would. It's run by Augusta National. So. Yeah, so it's a, it's a huge it's a huge opportunity. And, you know, as I said, Grace Kim, Dowie Choi, Steph Kiriakou, Cassie Porter, Stacey White, and Kirsty Hodgkins. So well done to those women. Um, we will be... Riding alongside of you, if not, we probably can't get there because of the uh, the national championship. But um, great achievement! So. With, with any luck, we'll be able to finish our work in Royal Adelaide roughly six or seven o'clock Sunday night. Flick the telly on, and they'll hopefully be in the closing stages. Because I'm assuming there's some sort of time difference between. Yeah, we're just diving back into geography hour quickly. No, you, we've we've moved on. I'm just trying to. I'm looking for positives. <laughs> Um, we had a big success again um, with the Australian All Abilities Championship, as we've touched on before, with the ISPS Handed Disabled Golf Cup during the President's Cup mm-hmm. um, uh, last week at Royal Melbourne. It was fantastic. And there is now a new event, the Victorian Inclusive Championship, on February 3rd and 4th at the Barwon Heads Golf Club and the 13th Beach Golf Links, mm-hmm. uh, the home of the Vic Open. Um, it'll be played alongside that on the Monday and the Tuesday. Um, so the first round's at Barwon Heads, the second round at 13th Beach, and it's open to all impairment categories in the world rankings for golfers with a disability. Uh, another huge step forward by Christian Hamilton yeah, um, that's and, awesome. and our team there. Just, he's, it's phenomenal. Um, so that we're, we'll, there'll be much more about that in the new year, but mm-hmm. for now, um, you know, again, kudos. So yeah. uh, fantastic. Now, I know we wanted to talk a little bit about the Asian tour, mate. Yep. Um, a big finale really with so much going on around yeah the rest of the world of golf it's been in the bit of the um and some tough decisions for some guys towards the end of the year some australian guys yeah so they've got the big big final show this week yep in no less a place than thailand yeah. you're obvious <laughs> you're the, very fond of the thailand third, third thailand reference this podcast between <laughs> jazzy j and the... geography hour yeah so we've got 
at the moment, top 60 get their cards for next year. Yep. And as it stands, we've got eight Australians in the top 60, which is a great achievement. Running mm-hmm. down, Scott Hender's number two. He's a million miles behind Jazz Janowatonanond. <laughs> um, but he's going to finish probably number two again, Handy. He won that order of merit a couple of years ago. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Zach Murray, courtesy of his New Zealand result, in February, yep. in, uh, is eighth. Andrew Dote is 28th. Terry Pilkodaris, the the ageless Terry Pilkodaris, is 37. <laughs> Travis Smythe did really well. He forewent for the Australian Open, which devastated him. Yeah. But went across to Mauritius, did really well, and is up to 43rd. Jake Higginbottom is 49th. Josh Younger, who was, I think, third last week. Was that in Indonesia? He was, yeah. He was tied third after, obviously, winning a New South Wales Open a couple of weeks ago. So He's on fire. This is an extraordinary three weeks from him. It really is. Yeah. And 33rd again from Travis Smythe up there as well, just to um, push his case there a bit further. And he, so he's up to 56th with a bullet um, on the mm. Asian Tour standings. And Daniel Fox, he's right on the line <laughs> at number 60. Mm. So it's a big week. We, we've already mentioned the PGA Championship, but there's a lot going on a bit further north as well. Absolutely. Exciting time of the year. Exciting time of the year. Heartbreaking time of the year as well, as we heard earlier a couple of cases. But, uh, yeah, definitely make or break. And, and one and one last mention of um, the Stayshore Senior Tour in Europe, uh, Peter Fowler, who Clates has promised to get on this podcast a dozen times, hasn't come through, but we will make that happen in 2020. Tied 11th um, in Mauritius. So. He took uh, the winner of this year of the Peter Fowler Award for being the last player putting on Wednesday night at the Australian Open, which because every year I walk out of the <laughs> golf course and Peter Fowler's there putting, re- regardless of this year when it is. <laughs> The winner this year, you walked out beside me, and it was Steve Allen. Was it really? Yeah, and we walked out and cheap. That's right. Yeah. So I'm, I'm. There was one or two others still hanging that. around, but at about seven thirty, eight o'clock at night, I've decided to hand the Peter Fowler Award to Stephen Allen this year. So congratulations, Stephen. It's a, one of the time honoured awards in Australian golf. Absolutely. Uh, now we're getting to um, probably the silly part of the show. We're going to Justin and I, in the absence of everyone else, so it's probably a good time now to thank. All the people who have helped us put the show together from a technical and logistical perspective, primarily Val Febo. Um, thanks so much for all your efforts this year, Val. Been invaluable. Um, to Mari, to Blakey, to Ali, to Stacey Peters, to Maddie Cutler, to Joey Charlton, Mike Clayton, and uh, all our regular and mm-hmm. some irregular guests. Um, <laughs> and I mean that in whatever sense you want to take it. Huge, huge thanks. We haven't had a chance, um, given the busy last few weeks, mm-hmm to do this more formally with everyone. So you and I are going to go through and do a sort of a Brownlow-esque style wrap-up mm. of a few different things. Yep. This is going to be as loose as, which is probably a fitting way to finish inside oh, the race. That's probably how we started it, so it makes sense. <laughs> true, true. Favourite moment of the year from you? Uh, Favourite moment witnessed in person or? It's your show, mate. You run. You're so right. Um, look, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> let's go on the whole. It's probably got to be the Monday morning we were all in the office watching Hannah Green win the KPMG. That was awesome. It happens, I reckon, three or four times a year where people are at work on Monday morning and it looks like an Aussie's going to win and everyone sort of gets a bit toey and everyone goes to the sort of TV area and people are standing around watching. And mm. it happened with Minji when she won in LA in the start of the year and uh, there was none better than when Hannah won at Hazeltine, obviously. Uh, Favourite moment I was there for, Friday afternoon at the Open this year, Irish crowd, 5,000 people screaming their lungs out, trying to get Rory McIlroy over the line to make the cut. I think he needed three birdies in these last five holes or something, and he got the first two. And I'll never forget the walk to the 17th, 17th tee. It was 
unbelievable. People were going absolutely nuts after he made a birdie at 16. And super cool moment. And it made me, gave me a great appreciation for a crowd that like just super gets it and is just purely there to sort of cheer one of their own on. It was, mm. it was awesome. Love it. My favorite moment of the year, I think I, I was probably in transit when Hannah Green's putt went in, unfortunately. Mm. Um, that's clearly the pick from an Australian golf perspective. Yep. It doesn't, goes without saying. Given that I didn't watch it live, mm. my favorite moment of the year was uh, Gabby Ruffles. Yep. Because her story is ridiculous. Yeah. It's genuinely ridiculous. <laughs> she's won the she's won the top amateur prize in women's golf, yep. having been a world ranked tennis player four years ago and not yep. having picked up a golf stick. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, seriously, it's yep. unbelievable. Um, that I was there to watch. What's her What's her ceiling? Before you go, ah, I don't think she's got one. Her ceiling is what she wants it to be because she may not even be a professional golfer yet. You know, she's she's going great guns at uni, I believe. Yeah. Hopefully she is. Yeah. But she's strong enough to not be pushed. You just think if four years in she's doing this, it's like, yeah. how good how good could she be? Oh, there's no there's no telling what she could be. She, 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 if she was playing the LPJ tour constantly for a couple of years, she would, I think, would make the most birdies of anyone on the tour. That's, <laughs> she might still make a truckload of bogeys yeah. and not, you know, win a tournament. Yeah. But her stealing is untold. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Oh, yeah. It's unbelievable. She's still got two years at uh, USC, I think. She two years in. Uh, she might have one, one and a half, maybe. Mm. Still got a bit to go anyhow. And then mm. her studies are her priority. So, yep. um, you know, full credit to her. Yeah. Um, I want to come back to you if I, if I think about a favorite moment live. Okay. I don't really have one that stands out. I've just so many good ones. Yep. Um, Maybe it might, if I'm going off Broadway, it might be the finale to the Interstate yeah, series. Yeah, the boys. Because that was... That was nuts. Nuts. That <laughs> was, was chaos. completely bonkers. It's had a habit of the last few years of being chaos in yeah, a good way. It has. And, and I, I, I'll tell you what I'm looking forward to next year is just on the topic. This isn't one of the awards, by mm. the way. Western Australia had a big part in what happened between Victoria and New South Wales this year yeah, in that men's point. event. I'm looking forward to Western Australia ramping it up in 2020 and kicking some butt. I reckon they're, they're my early tip for lookout. Of course, the the boys interstate, the match is finished in a draw, wasn't it? The round robin. So yeah. Victoria sort of needed only a draw to win the final, which they did. But that morning, New South Wales had sort of seemingly rested quite a few players and WA fronted up and knocked them off, which ended up being quite telling. It was. It was the absolutely critical moment. Mm. It was WA against New South Wales, and everyone was poking the finger at Victoria. But <laughs> um, anyway, yeah. it is what it is. I think that was the funnest thing to watch. I often think the yeah. lesser-known events are as much fun to watch as the big ones. So, in that on that theme, I'd also like to point out, uh, touch on the Ozam, the last sort of few days we had there. Harrison Crow of New South Wales oh. knocked off Dave Michaluzzi in the quarterfinals, yeah. which was unbelievable at the time. And then Nathan Barbieri going down to Connor Purcell, who's now a pro. Uh, from Ireland, that was an amazing final. Went 37 holes, and that was super, super exciting. The way Bubs played in the semi as well, I think he was three down with mm. however many to go, two days in a row or something, and battled back. So, big, big year for Nathan next year. I agree. Favourite player to watch, male and female? Male and female. I'll start female. I think I'll go JY Co. We saw a... 
uh, in Adelaide at the start of the year, she was defending champion. That's correct. Mm-hmm. Yes. And played super well. Couldn't get it done, unfortunately. Nelly was just too good. But I think it was JY's first tournament of the year. So she sort of looked like she was just getting back into it. Uh, saw her again in Evian and she absolutely blew them away. She's world number one at that point. She's she's an unbelievable player. She had a crazy good year. I remember tweeting when the discussion this year, PJ Tour player of the year, everyone was talking player of the player of the year. Rory Brooks. I think if you stack JY's oh, yeah. record up against those two, she'd Brain, them out of the water. Brains them. She's awesome. Yeah, I love I'm... JY. She's so funny. Uh, she's so nice. She always talks to us and does her best. And her English is getting better. She's a legend. I love watching JY Co play. I second that one. That's unanimous points decision for JY Co. <laughs> <laughs> and always a favorite player in the men's side. Yeah. I've, I'm starting to get a little bit of a man crush on Tony Fee now. Really? Yeah. In a good way. <laughs> I, I, You were pretty quick to go to the tapes for the President's Cup preview show and uh, dig up me talking about threatening to get a haircut if the internationals won. I actually kept listening to a little bit, and Tony was my man. I picked to sort of put a good showing in, and he was wonderful last week. I, He's just so nice. And yeah. then I saw a story that he told last week about Playing Tiger, he played with Tiger, of course, at the Masters last year. He's had a great year, Tony V. Now mm. he was in the final group with Tiger on Sunday, and he said that they got on the first tee and said hello, and then they got to I think the seventh fair, walked off the seventh tee, and they had not said a word to each other. And this is Tony told this story to the PGA Tour last week, and he said, I, "I was like, I've got to talk to him." So he went up to Tiger on the seventh tee and said, "Hey, Tiger, how the family?" And Tiger just looks at him and goes, "They're good." And then walked off and didn't say anything to him until they hugged on the 18th green at the end of the day. And Tony Fee now told this story like he was like the luckiest guy in the world and he was like so happy that it happened. I was like, <laughs> you should be kind of upset about that. Dude didn't talk to you for the whole day, but he was just like thrilled. So Tony's my guy. I mean, I love him. You're in. Yeah. He's a super nice guy. He's so nice. And he actually didn't roll in some key putt. God mm. damn him at, uh, at Royal Melbourne. Mm. So. No, that's fair enough. Um, favorite male player to watch for me. I mean, it depends what you what you like to see. I'm I'm, I'm tempted to say Min Woo Lee because he's had a ripping year, mm-hmm. and I think he's the future of entertainment in Australian golf. Yep. I'm also tempted to say Rory McIlroy because my God, when he gets on a roll, it's mm-hmm. unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm just going to be biased and say Min Woo. Yep. So I'm not going to go through the whole spiel, but I just I like watching him play golf. He he's unreal. Yeah. Uh your best podcast guest of twenty nineteen on Inside the Ropes. This is gonna be controversial for you. I just scoured back through the uh through the episodes before we came on air. And the one that I remember I wasn't on it, but I was in the room filming at the time. We were downstairs. We had Stuart Appleby on. And oh, yeah. it was sort of first time I think he might have been on before, but it seemed like the first time for a while. And he was unreal. And he was obviously talking about the Junior President's Cup, of which he was the captain for the internationals. Mm. And he just started breaking down the course, and which obviously he knows super well. But he was fascinating. And I hadn't really heard him talk before. And then we had him on the pod, and he was wonderful. And then obviously heard him doing the commentary last week for the President's Cup. Uh, they had it on the big screen in the media center, and you could hear him and thought he was fantastic. So he's another one. If we can get hit more of... Stuart Appleby, more, more Jeff next year. I'm... <laughs> You'll sign up again. I'll, I'll resubscribe. <laughs> uh, I give a special shout to Brett Coletta. Yep. Twice a visitor. Friend of the show. Friend of the show. He's officially now a friend of the show. Yep. Um, loved him. He's great. 
First time in particular was next level. Yeah. Both times are great. Yeah. So good on him. But my favorite this year was Brad Hughes because I listened to him and Clates talk rubbish for hours. And I think we did in one particular episode. <laughs> uh, it made me smile listening back to it. So um, Brad Hughes for me. Dave McKenzie, an honorable mention. That was good too. Yeah. Yeah, he was really good. Yeah. I, <laughs> uh, and look, every player who readily picks up the phone when I ring them or ask them to come on, mm. Huge shout because it makes the show, um, you know, that's what people want to listen to, mm. um, the the voices from around the world of golf and particularly the, you know, the stories that make it all tick that we're un- unaware of. Yeah. So um, I apologize, apologize if we didn't get to as many grassroots stories as we wanted to this year, but we'll endeavor to fix that. I had to give an honorable mention to the bumper show we had halfway through the year. Hannah Green, Cam Smith, Lizette Salas, Angel Yin, and Azaro Munoz, all in one week. Because I was scrolling through picking who was my favourite guest, and I remember that we had we had the show to end all shows. So shout out to all of them. Um, well, to be fair, uh, Ellie Whitaker is the driving force mm. of a lot of yep. um, interviews on the LPGA tour. So, yep. um, yeah, without Ellie, we're in. You know, we don't have the same show that we have. You're right. Again, thanks everyone for helping put us together. Um, have you got someone you desperately want to hear who we haven't heard from next year? Oh, I have shafted people because I've said Greg Norman was coming on, but um, I'm going to say you've shafted people that want to come on the show. Like, no, 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 no. Um, <laughs> I Greg, have been shafting potential no. guests. Greg Norman, um, I'm hopeful will come on early in the new year, but things just got a bit too much. Who do we want to get next shootout. year? Well, I think you need to put your thinking cap on. We need to call someone out right now and get him on the show. We'll think big. Uh, I know who I'm going to get on a couple early early doors. Get so. it, get get me Rory next year. Rory, all right, we'll try for Rory. I'm going to start with Laura Davies because I'm very yeah. very comfortable with Laura Davies coming on uh, in the, in the early in the new year. In fact, we're going to probably start up sometime around Australia Day, given or give or take a week. Yep, haven't got it all planned out yet, but we'll come back and I reckon we'll hopefully have Laura Davies start it all up and that'll set us a long time supporter of the Vic Open and the yeah. comes every year and and. Is, a delight. And uh, if she can help out Rebecca Artis this year, it'll be epic. Yep. Um, at a fundraiser up there in central New South Wales. So One more before we go. Yeah. I did this this time last year on the show. We all sat around the table and we said, who will be the next Australian to win a major? And I think I remember Mark Leishman was a common... Sorry, Minji Lee was a common answer. I think I said Leish. Obviously, we were all wrong. Same question again. The next Australian who hasn't won one. To uh, win. No, even has won one. Who's uh, going to win the next major for us? Uh, I'm just going to go with Minji. Again, I know I went with Minji last year. I'll be one of those. Yeah, um, right. I just think she's the ultra inconsistency. I, I talked Ryan Ruffles up for that before, so yeah. I'm going again with Minji. Mm-hmm. You? I like it. <sighs> I'm betting with my heart. I'm going to say Cam Smith. Yeah, be nice. There's going to be a week where he's in the thick of it. And the way Jeff spoke about him talking yesterday to Blake, you'd see all the attributes about Mm. someone who can just be so competitive that he's going to get in the right situation. It's not going to bother him. Yeah. All right. That's about it. 140 episodes in the can. Um, Thank you, Justin Falconer. Thanks, Mark Hayes. (laughs) (laughs) It's the most formal thing that's ever been said on Inside the Ropes. Mark Barnes. So, the great. um I'm just gonna just not you in a minute. Yeah, it's gonna be outrageous. Um thank you to everyone who's been involved. Thanks for not getting me in trouble for being so loose and uh we'll come back and have <laughs> another crack in twenty twenty.